0: Well, and let's start by talking about a little more about what off-market is. Off-market does mean sometimes that you're in that initial call list. Um, off-market does mean that the property has been listed or gone stale. Off-market mm-hmm. means buying mm-hmm. it directly from a seller. Off-market means a broker uh, is leading a charge around you specifically to reach some sort of seller. Mm-hmm. So off-market is all of those things. Um, and. Picking which deals to invest on, invest in is a matter of uh, just the opportunities that pop up through those various things. This is Durable Value. Get investing and business insights from industry experts and successful entrepreneurs every week. Like and subscribe now. One thing that's unique about our firm is that 90%, sometimes closer to 100% of the deals we buy are off market.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what? Let's talk in this episode about what that means and how we do it.
1: Yeah. And just to provide a little bit of context, we operate in inefficient markets, which does lend itself to a better ability to do that, but um, it's still not, um, you know, a default setting, so to speak. And I would also add some context that during the last, call it eight years of up market that we were working in, um, it kind of became a bastardized terms because people would say off market. And what they meant, the brokers had gotten smart. And so what they had done is they had said, okay, well, I may not be listing it, but I'm calling 25 of the logical buyers and I'm effectuating a, a bidding war between those logical buyers. And so I think it's important to differentiate that that's not what we mean by off market. But I'd love if you could... Give a little bit through the process. Joe heads the acquisition team, and uh, how how do you guys? How does your team go about getting truly off market?
0: Well, let's start by talking about a little more about what off market is. Off market does mean sometimes that you're in that initial call list. Um, Off market does mean that the property has been listed or gone stale. Off market Uh means buying Uh it directly from a seller. Off market means broker uh is leading a charge around you specifically to reach some sort of seller. So mm-hmm. off-market is all of those things. Um, and picking which deals to invest on invest in is a, a matter of uh just the opportunities that pop up through those various things.
1: Well and and off-market fundamentally means that um it is not a fully marketed, bidded type of environment. Oftentimes it means a one-to-one negotiation where it's us as one buyer and one seller Those versus the best. versus five or ten, um, and that's that is, I would say that was helpful in the up cycle because uh, a lot of the market was very frothy. There was a lot of bidding activity. Uh, we would we often get outbid. Had we participated in a bidding process? Yeah. Um, but then what's interesting is during this time of dislocation, it has also been really valuable because we're able to find those sellers that have adjusted their expectations. And uh, a lot of it has to do with trusted advisor on the seller side, helping them through that process to recognize where the market has moved. Something that doesn't necessarily happen as well in a you know fully bidded environment.
0: Well, and that's one of the challenges of off-market. And let's speak a little bit to the to those challenges. Some of the challenges are that sellers have unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Shocker. <laughs> hard hard to believe, I know. But, especially um, now. <laughs> they have unrealistic <laughs> expectations of price and they have to go through a process of, you know, sort of coming down to earth. And in an in an off-market scenario, often you're dealing with a you're starting with a seller that has an unrealistic expectation on price. And, but it, what that means is buying off market is a 6 to 18 month process where you build trust and they uh, build a sense of what realistic pricing is. And uh, some other, so some challenges are having sellers that need to come back to earth on price, uh, timeline. You can't quickly go and buy an off market pro, uh, property. Mm-hmm. We often call it a Ferris wheel where you're putting in lots of offers and you're letting them go through the, the steps and then, so you'll put in an offer, it'll go silent and then they'll, you know, a few months later, they call you back or because they're looking yeah. for various off ramps in their selling process. And then eventually mm-hmm. about a third of the time or 20% of the time, we are the right buyer and it it circles back to us. So um, also some other challenges are usually you don't get great financials or information. Mm-hmm. Usually in an off market process, the property was not run well mm-hmm. and The financials are not really clear. There's more assumptions. Um, What's interesting, too, is often you don't actually get to a much better price than uh, an on-market property. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they have advisors. They're finding their way to something that looks like market. Usually, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe 5 maybe 10% better. Yeah. Um, So, those are are some of the things. So, how do we find off-market properties? Well, especially as we're entering... Um, once you're already established in, in a, a market or submarket, you'll get inbound leads. But uh, most of what we do is through brokers, but it's not through a traditional brokerage process. So if we're entering a new submarket, step one would be uh, look at the, the deals have transacted in the last 6 to 12 months. Um, look for the brokers that have been on the buy side, ideally, but maybe on the sell side. Uh, different firms have different uh, ways of doing things. Some firms and some brokers like to control the process very tightly. Uh, those are usually not the right ones for us. Maybe on the sell side they are. Yep. But on the buy side, we're looking for more relationship-oriented brokers who have been there a long time, know know all the sellers in the market. Um, and then we're, we're looking often not for that top highest producer. We're looking for that middle or junior person, someone who's looking to make a mark, someone who uh, is in the middle or you know, earlier part of the career, not at the earliest part, but they are, they're aggressive and they're ready to to move up the ladder. And um, the next step after that is to make a relationship with them. Um, Both you and I were brokers for about a decade. Uh, We, we, you know, we speak that language. Uh, The people in our firm speak that language. We can establish trust and rapport. They're looking to develop a great customer. They're looking to get paid for a long period of time. It's our job to show them that we can be that person for them for the next Three, five, ten years. Um, after that, it's uh, entering the market. It's touring with that person. Usually there's two or three that we try to work with in the market to create a little bit of competition. But mm-hmm. it's touring with them, sing, it al- seeing it the world through their, their eyes. also a
1: little more uh, market knowledge too, right? Yeah. You know, two sounding boards of, okay, is this market, is this not? What do we, you know, what feedback are we getting?
0: So they're trying to uh, see the world through your eyes and you're trying to see it through their eyes and you're trying to marry this up. Because when you first start talking to someone they have a sense of what it is that maybe you buy but it's not you it's not easily explained i often find mm-hmm. that i'll say it and then i'll tour with them or they'll bring some deals and they won't look like what i said mm-hmm. or what the mm-hmm. or what mm-hmm. you know people on our team said yeah they, it takes a while for for them to get it yeah but also it takes a while for us to adjust a little bit too cuz each market has its own uh, sort of nuances to it yeah. but ultimately what we're trying to do is get to um, off market we're trying to put out lots of LOIs. So um, what I'll hear, great clues I'll hear is, oh, that building hasn't sold in 10 years, but I think that might those sellers might be ready. Or, oh, I know this group's thinking of this. Or, oh, that building's had too much vacancy. And and what I'm saying is, let's write some offers. Let's write some mm-hmm. offers. And so if we write, you know, 5, 10, 20 offers and we get two, three, four responses uh, or or pieces of interest. What we're doing is we're adding those to the Ferris wheel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. over the next two to 12 months, um, things will start to shake out. We'll get a call. Someone's ready to do a deal. Um, and so you're, you're building up a, a base. I, I also find usually with that same uh, group of uh, brokers that there's, that I'll hear something like, oh, well, I have this other deal and it it fell out. Would you guys be interested in that? And all right. Great. And that seller's already gone through one repricing in their mind. They might yeah. be more ready yeah. to sell. Now can we um, yeah. Can we step in? And an important part about that is doing what you say you're going to do and executing quickly. Yep. We see those brokers as our customers. And when they send us information, number one, we're super confidential about it. If mm-hmm. we're working with two or three brokers, the other two or three will never, ever hear about it. Yep. We, we do not talk about it. Number two, we are going to analyze that property in two or three days and have an offer in on the third day. Uh And it's going to be... It's going to... It's not going to be a low ball. It's going to be something we really... uh, Meets our underwriting. But that we really seek to transact on and is not going to totally blow the other... The seller's mind. Um, So... And then here's the other thing. Once you go into escrow or once you close on a deal, uh, wow. Now... I mean, brokers can smell it and blood in the water, so to speak. The deals start to come at you. And now you have to, um, my experience at that moment is uh, you'll start to get uh, attention from more senior members of the firm. (laughs) That is the time to stick to your guns, stick with your people, and uh, seek to get more and more active and to follow that up with more offers and more deals.
1: Yeah, and let's speak a little bit about why those particular brokers and and the sellers ultimately work with us because I think that's an important aspect of of how we go about it. Mm-hmm. Number one certainly is a track record. I mean, you know we we demonstrate a track record and if we're moving into a new market or a new submarket, then it's also just the demonstrated track record in the other markets that we've operated in. But it goes deeper than that because uh, you, you know, you check a box, Obviously, a broker wants to know there's more deals after this. Yeah. A seller wants to know you have a history of closing on properties and moving forward. But there's more to it because it's. It, it, let's speak a little bit to that relationship component. Well, the first and, thing and is when values. we submit an
0: offer, when I'm, yeah. I, people on our team are talking to new brokers, uh, we attach our uh, deal sheet. And um, it's got the last few years' worth of deals. It's currently... I don't know about half a billion dollars in, in deals. It's got the yeah. address, it's got the size, it's got the location. I mean, when that comes to the back of your offer, and you see the most recent five hundred million in closings, yeah, the, the deal, the offer gets taken seriously. Especially when you're up against other local players, they're like, yeah, okay. Um, but the relationship is super important. Uh, all all business deals happen on trust. Mm-hmm. Sellers are looking for you to execute. Brokers are looking. They're will, they're going to trade. Their reputation and their uh, best market knowledge, uh, and they're 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 going to sell that in a sense for you to come in and transact. And to the extent that they can make a, a efficient trade of knowledge and um,
1: relationships, relationships, yeah.
0: and that you do your part, they'll see this as a wonderful thing. Um, our, our core values, our, our number one core value, is being positive, caring, and humble, and. This is not particularly a positive, caring, humble industry, and the brokerage no. business is far from positive, caring, and humble. <laughs> but I find um, that that's a good uh, trade. Yeah. In that, brokers can be how they're going to be, and they love it when we approach from that perspective. They enjoy that we operate from that point, and that um, they can be leaders to us. And so, it's a it's a great because they're
1: they're used to oftentimes. Sellers, buyers—you uh, know—being higher on the ego spectrum.
0: They're used to dysfunction. And, uh, They're used and, to family dysfunction. Uh, They're used to corporate dysfunction. Yep. They're not used to great execution from nice yep. people.
1: Yep. And and uh, I think that really is kind of a hallmark of how we do business because, um, we, number one, it's just kind of our programming where we we uh, we kind of have a no jerk policy in the office. We don't accept high egos, uh, no matter how good you are. Uh, if there's a high ego to go, that goes along with it, you're not a right fit for our company, and so then that emanates out any interactions that that, that broker or that seller uh, or the market participants have with us is predicated on those core values. And we don't do it because we get results from it, but we do get results from it. It's it's like it's like a byproduct of of just you know doing what you say and saying what you do and. Yeah. Doing it in a nice, authentic you know, manner.
0: We often say we want to get—we don't want to get paid in ego. We want to get paid in money.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: what's the what's the purpose in getting paid in in ego? It's a mm-hmm. it's a waste. It's inefficient. It's friction to deals. Mm-hmm. If we can be uh, firm and direct in how we deal, but nice, mm-hmm. like those two things can coexist. You can be a, a great person and drive great outcomes, but in a transparent. Uh, high-integrity way, and there's less friction. And and as a result, we get more deals and more people want to work with us. Thank you for listening to Durable Value, an investor's podcast, where we demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit crusadapartners.com, where you'll find more information investors' tools, case studies, and more. This podcast is hosted by Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela. It's produced, edited, and mixed by Melodic, with intro music by Ian Post. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.